In such a diverse and connected culture, is it possible to take no offense, even at things that really are hurtful or hateful? Yes. And I'll show you the Bible's simple solution to get rid of offense and get back to peace. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, here to shut down the enemy's lies in your life. I do it live on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central at kylewinkler.org live. Join us live sometime, will you? We'd love to have you. By the way, many people find this ministry because they're searching for help about something. Maybe you came here the same way. Did you know that Google, YouTube, and TikTok are the primary ways people ask for help these days? It might sound scary, right? But that's why I'm here and this ministry exists. We're here to reach people that are searching, many behind a screen. We're here to give them the only answer that works, the love and grace of God. So thank you for those of you who partner with this ministry through your monthly or one-time donations. You're reaching people with me. If you say, Kyle, I want to help too, then please consider making a tax-deductible gift at kylewinkler.org donate. We are entirely donor-supported, and we always offer a gift in return for your support. So go to kylewinkler.org donate to check out this month's gift for your gift. Okay, speaking of issues that people are searching about, is it just me, or does it seem like everyone is so easily offended these days? Maybe I see it more because I get messages through social media and email, and occasionally still a letter in the mail. And I'm not just talking about unbelievers, but I'm talking about Christians too. Somebody's offended by a joke or an opinion or a look on your face. I've heard far too many stories of people who lost long-term friendships within the last five years or so due to offense over political leanings. And I'm talking those on the left and on the right. I'd say the cancel culture cancer that's taking over our society right now is a product of offense, too. You know, I don't pretend to know what history was like, but it sure seems to me like offense is at an all-time high and is crippling us personally and as a society. And it seems like others agree with me, too. A study in 2021 found that two-thirds of U.S. adults say that people being too easily offended is a major problem in the United States. And that was in 2021. I don't think it's gotten any better since then, do you? You, need, you know what I mean by the word offense, right? Dictionary definition is annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult or disregard for one's self. It's feeling hurt or personally attacked because of something that was said or done. Researchers have defined offense as a feeling that is triggered by something that contradicts one's self-concept or identity. Ding, 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 ding. Therein is the problem and a clue to the solution. 
Offense often happens when something contradicts someone's self-concept, when something contradicts who they believe that they are. Or if I might add to this, when something reinforces who they fear that they are. This is why what most people try to do to solve offense doesn't work. Because offense is self-concept related, most apologies don't work. Hearing sorry doesn't satisfy the question of identity that the offended person has. Because offense is self-concept related, no kind of punishment or canceling of a person heals the hurt. Maybe it does something to the person who said or did whatever they said or did. But punishing someone as a way to feel less offended isn't a solution because it still doesn't deal with the question of identity that caused the offense in the first place. Now, I'm telling you, because offense is identity-related, the only cure for it is the gospel. And I'm going to break that all down for you through the rest of this message. Let me say this right up front, though. We all get offended at times. None of us are so secure in our identity that we don't feel it get threatened from time to time. Obviously, the intensity of offense varies from person to person, and we can certainly see very positive transformation in being offended less often and less devastatingly. I can honestly say that I have. Years ago, I was someone who got offended a lot. Now, I was generally quiet about it. My students suffered in silence. Others aren't so quiet about it. But I can tell you that what I'm sharing with you in this message, which I learned over a decade, really did change me from the inside out. I can still get offended, yes. Not as often. Not over everything that I used to. And I mellow out a whole lot faster. Let's talk about what influences the level of intensity. Those who study this kind of stuff, say it comes down to four things. Four things that I say create a lens of interpretation. And you'll see why I say that in a minute. The first thing that determines the intensity of offense is just what I've been saying, your self-concept or your idea of identity. The lower your concept the less that you know who you are, the more insecurities you have, the more you are going to feel offended about things. And the reason for that is because you're looking to words or actions to tell you who you are. You haven't decided it for yourself. You are kind of a blank canvas waiting for someone else to determine who you are, to tell you who you are. And that's just asking for trouble because most people are not natural exhorters or encouragers. Most people don't have much emotional intelligence. And certainly coddling your well-being isn't the first thing on their mind. Now, yes, some people say things that are deliberately hurtful and demeaning, but most people, I think, have no idea what they're saying. Until they know that you're hurt, they just think it was something innocent. But if you already have a low concept of who you are, like you already believe that you're next to a worm, 
And if somebody posts a blonde joke on Facebook, well, if you're a blonde, you might feel that as a personal attack. Or, for example, I was at a hardware store the other day, and I watched a middle-aged male customer get mistaken for an employee of that store by another customer. And he got offended by it. It was kind of like, how dare you think I'm an employee of this store? You know, that kind of thing. Now, should that other customer have been more careful? Probably. But I'd say his offense revealed more about his own security than anything else. The point is, insecure people are usually high offended people. And I can say that was me through my late 20s. There were keywords or phrases people could say, and I'm talking innocent things, that would cause me deep hurt. And that really tees up the next influence on the intensity of offense, which is past experience. So to continue my story from the start of my school days, I experienced different kinds of rejection. People using certain words to say things about me, people laughing at me in certain instances. So I grew up to be hurt, to be offended by anything that sounded similar or felt similar. In college, I remember going out with friends for dinner and some people kind of whispering to themselves and giggling around. And I took great offense to that because I figured it was about me. It's what it always was in the past. I just thought that continued in the present. Or, and this one went on for a long time, if somebody kind of picked on me in even a friendly kind of a way, like a close friend, just kind of razzing me about something, it could send me into a three-week funk. But here's the thing about past experiences. Like in my case, it doesn't have to be the exact experience that causes you offense. It can be something that reminds you of something that hurt. In psychology, that's called transference. It happens with similar events, words, and people. You can get offended by just the sound of someone's voice or their facial expression if they remind you of someone that hurt you or demeaned you in the past. If a person or or an event made you feel worthless in the past, a similar person or event can make you feel worthless in the future. That's offense. Of course, those closest to us have a way of offending us the most. And that's the third influence on the intensity of offense. It's the quality of relationship. My friends and family can offend me far more than a stranger because they know me. And kind of the way I guess we think is if those who know me say something mean, then I guess that's how I really am. That's probably obvious to most people, right? I'm not saying strangers can't hurt you, because they can. If we can get hurt by watching the news or a TV program, then strangers can definitely hurt us. But it's far more intense if it's someone who knows you or even kind of knows you from work or school or family and friends. And the fourth influence on the intensity of offense is made up of cultural expectations. 
I'll give you a few examples of this that I've seen. In America, it's often conveyed to young boys that to be a real man, you have to play sports. So I've heard from a lot of guys who never liked sports growing up who still feel the sense of offense happen when somebody at work or wherever makes a stupid comment after they say that they don't like to watch football. They take whatever that person says, how can you not like to watch football, that type of thing. They take that to mean, maybe I'm not a real man. I've seen single people, usually in their 30s or later, take great offense at people who ask them, are you seeing someone yet? At some point in their life, they were made to believe that they are single because something's wrong with them. So therefore, just the question about their relationship status sends them into offense. And really, this kind of thing can be true for just about any kind of status, from career status to education status. That's why I said earlier, sometimes offense doesn't just come from a lack of identity, but the fear of identity. If you've always been afraid that this is who I am, you know, less than a man or less than a woman or incomplete or not enough, then comments that reinforce those fears are going to be highly offensive. So four things that influence the intensity of offense are. I've got my dry erase board back out here. So if you're listening on the podcast, you'll just have to go to my website, kylewinkler.org, to see this. But I have listed them out in the middle here. Insecurities, past experience, quality of relationship, and the fourth one, cultural expectations. And these are all written, as I said, in a middle column. And this middle column represents a lens of expectation. These are a lens that words and actions that are said and heard pass through and then change often what's said or heard, morph it into a completely different type of thing which influences how you react. So on the left side, we have words and actions. In the middle, we have a lens of interpretation with these four influences. On the right, we have reactions. If you've been made to feel like not liking sports makes you less of a man, That's going to get interpreted when somebody says something about why don't you like to watch football or whatever. It's going to go through this lens and it's going to create a certain kind of reaction, often a toxic reaction. If you've been made to feel like women are less than men, then just a joke about women might be interpreted by this lens to mean you are less than, even though that's not what it really meant but that's what your lens tells it it means, or tells you it means. Offense happens when words or actions are interpreted to mean something bad about us, something that says you are bad, you are wrong, or you aren't enough. You know, this same kind of conflict of identity happened in the New Testament, and it caused offense even back then. 
Let's go to the Bible now. Starting in 1 Corinthians 1.23, Paul said, So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. The word for offended is skandalon. That's the Greek word. And that word is used in various places throughout the New Testament, sometimes to mean a stumbling block, an obstacle, a hindrance, even a sin. But in this context, it means offended, just the way I'm describing it in this message. Notice that Paul said the Jews are offended by the cross, yet the Gentiles say it's nonsense. Why were only Jews offended? Because the cross caused a conflict of identity with the Jewish people. You see, they derived their sense of identity from their self-righteousness. Their worth was based upon their efforts and sacrifices. So the good news of the cross that Jesus did everything necessary to be good with God, that it was a done deal, nothing more you have to do, well, that challenged their identity. So they were offended. The Gentiles didn't have that same problem. They didn't really understand the Jewish law. They just did things to appease all kinds of gods. So until they were taught, they didn't really understand the significance of Jesus being sacrificed and what it did for their identity. So that's why they saw it as nonsense. didn't make sense to them. But to the Jews, it challenged their identity and therefore was offensive. Paul said it again to the Galatians. In Galatians 5.11, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, If I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. Again, he's describing the conflict of identity that came with preaching the gospel. According to Jewish law, the old covenant, things like circumcision festivals and food laws, defined a person. It gave a man his identity as a Jew. And here Paul says that his preaching of the gospel is offensive because it says that a person's identity is defined by Christ. To the Romans, he said, a true Jew is not based on circumcision, but on the change of heart produced by God at salvation. People got offended at the gospel message that says you aren't defined by what you do or don't do. You are defined by Jesus. People still get offended by that. They want what they do to define them. Crazy to me. So much better to be defined simply by Jesus. I'm going to take you to one more scripture. This time from the Apostle Peter. In 1 Peter 2.8. Here, Peter quotes the prophet Isaiah. Speaking of Jesus, Isaiah said, He is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. Then Peter gives his commentary of this prophecy. He says they stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Where's the word offended in that? Well, it's the word stumble. It's scandalon. So you can read it this way. Jesus makes people offended 
and they get offended because they don't obey God's word. But don't do what most contemporary Christians do and read God's word as some kind of written instructions. The word here for word is logos, which is Jesus, the word made flesh. It's not graphos, that's the written scripture. Okay, it's logos, word made flesh, it's Jesus. So they're not accepting Jesus. That's what Peter's saying. People are offended because they won't accept that Jesus came as God's son and achieved what he said he achieved. Peter then goes on to give the cure for offense. Speaking to Christians in verse 9, he says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal people, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Verse 10. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. In other words, he says, because you have accepted your true identity as chosen and holy, royal, which is the gospel message, you aren't someone who's offended because you've accepted it. You can't get offended. And we can derive the same advice from all of this for whatever our offenses, even if it comes from an insensitive comment, a slur, or an inconsiderate joke, or a deliberate aside. When you know who you are, you won't be offended, or at least you won't be so easily offended or so dramatically offended or offended for so long. And it's only the gospel that tells you who you are. 1 John 4, 17, as Jesus is, so are you in this world. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans 3.22, you are made right no matter who you are. Ephesians 4.23, you have the nature of God, which is truly righteous and holy. 1 Corinthians 6.11, you are cleansed, holy, and right. 1 Peter 2.9, you are chosen, royal, holy, and God's very own possession. Three different New Testament authors all saying the same thing. When you accept these truths about who you are, people can call you the devil himself and it won't offend you. And trust me, I've been there. I probably experience this on a weekly basis online these days. It's interesting because I hear similar comments to what Paul mentioned to the Corinthians. Unbelievers accuse me of talking nonsense. They don't like anything to do with faith. And many believers who like to cling to some kind of law get offended because they think I'm preaching something for nothing. They don't understand that the gospel literally is more than something for nothing. It is everything for nothing. You get the entire identity of Jesus for no effort on your part except to believe it's true. As we explored in the first message of this series, this exchanged nature, your sin for Jesus' righteousness, is the good news. And it's this good news that guards you from offense. When I hear the accusations from unbelievers or believers, sure, sometimes 
it stings. Then I remember who I am. Now, to be sure, it's easier to do when it comes from strangers. It's much harder when it comes from people that I know. I've been out to eat with people, and I'm talking in the last year, who have made innocent comments that struck some sort of old insecurity in me, some sort of old question that challenged my identity. And I had to blink my way through their conversation and give a fake smile and then went home and sulked for an evening. I'm just being transparent here. Like I said, we all still have the potential of being offended, especially by people closest to us. The flesh has plenty of weaknesses and wounds and tender areas that can hurt when touched or prodded. No doubt about that. But even in those instances, the only cure for the offense of my identity being threatened is to remember who I really am. You know, I can do various things to get my mind off of hurt. I can work out. I can eat a couple crumble cookies or a few dozen, not a few dozen, a half dozen. Oh, goodness. Maybe in college, a few dozen, not anymore. Half dozen Krispy Kremes. I can ride roller coasters. I can even have a group of people tell me just how good I am. And those things can all feel good and taste good and sound good. They can have their place. But none of those can heal offense. The only solution for healing offense is to remember and accept what the gospel means about me. It's to remember that I'm not whatever somebody says about me. I'm not how someone treats me. I'm not how someone rejects me. But I am defined by Jesus, accepted in the family of God, made new, made right, made whole, made holy. What God says is more real than anything anyone makes me feel. And it's the same for you. If you truly want to get over the hurt of an offense, the gospel is your only recourse. Remember, the gospel isn't just the truth of your forgiveness. Yes, it wiped you clean but it didn't just leave you as a slate wiped clean and open for others to come and define you all over again. No, the gospel is the truth that your slate was wiped clean, then completed with the clean nature of Jesus. So if someone says something that even insinuates that you were part of a lesser than group, I don't care if it's race, gender, hair color, whatever, remember the gospel truth that Paul said. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Yes, we have our heritage and our culture and real things that define our flesh. I'm not saying to deny those things or to pretend they don't exist. That's not the message here. I'm saying that you are not ultimately defined by those things. So if someone attacks one of those things before it attacks you, remember who you really are, which is in Christ. And here's what remembering this does over time. It renews your mind, which creates a lens of interpretation, a new lens of interpretation, which protects you in the future from getting offended. This column here, this lens column, it begins to change from insecurities 
and past experiences and quality of relationship in cultural expectations. Two, gospel, if you can kind of see that there. So future stimulus that comes in from your eyes and ears will then get filtered with a renewed mind through a lens of who you are in Christ through the gospel so that whatever comes in doesn't cause such dramatic and hopeless reactions anymore. Sure, you might see it, hear it, even taste it. But when you know the truth, you won't take it. You won't take offense because you've already accepted that you were made new. And as I've been saying through the last couple messages, you can't undo the new you. Words can't change the new you. Actions can't remove the new you. Truly, the gospel is the gospel, the cure for life's symptoms, which include offense. More on the other symptoms that the gospel cures as we continue through this series. But for now, let me tell you how I can help you beyond this message. It's absolutely crucial that you sink into who you are in Christ. This is literally what the Apostle Paul meant when he said over and over and over to put on Christ, clothe yourself in Christ. The word put on or clothe in is in duo. It means literally to sink into. This isn't about proving your identity or earning it. It's about learning more and more about it so that you remain confident in it, so that you identify with your new identity. Well, I have a teaching series that takes you deep into the truths of who you are. It's called God's Word. Discover the power of who you are, of who God made you, his masterpiece. This is almost two and a half hours of teaching, which includes five messages, the foreverness of forgiveness, your change of heart, accessing the mind of Christ, the believer's rights, and there's nothing wrong with you. This series will help you create that new lens that I mentioned so that whatever comes in won't define you or distract you or demean you. I'm telling you, whether it's walking in peace, purpose, or holiness, embracing your true self, who you are in Christ, is the key to your success. And I'll show you how. Get my God's Work series today on 5mp3s at kylewinkler.org slash God's Work. That's kylewinkler.org slash God's Work. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and he is for you. And we're here for you too every week on my website at kylewinkler.org on our podcast and wherever you get your social media. Don't forget wherever you're watching or listening to tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. And I'll see you next time.